Xavier, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Our scripture reading tonight is coming from Psalm 73, verses 21 through 28. You can follow me along in your copy of God's Word, or it's going to be on the screen. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you receive me to glory. Whom am I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish, but you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. This is the word of the Lord. My name is Cole. I'm one of the college ministry coordinators here, if you haven't met me yet. And that was my lovely wife, Sydney. She's one of our other college ministry coordinators who just read the scripture. I'm just so grateful to be here to talk to you today. Um, I was, as I was worshiping, I was just thinking of um, how awesome it is, just like in the past six months, how I've gotten to meet you guys and I've gotten to grow with you even more, whether that be through Lead Team or Village or just worshiping with you here at Oxano Sunday mornings, seeing you guys on campus. Um, I'm just really grateful to have um, a body of brothers and sisters to worship with um, constantly. Um, Speaking of family, my mom and dad have traveled all the way from North Florida, so they are here. Um, I'm grateful that they're here. Um, So... What we're going to be talking about today is a very weighty, heavy question. Is it worth it to follow God? Okay, let's go. All right. (laughs) So one thing you need to know about me is I have horrible, horrible test anxiety. Um, Always had it. I think I always will. I don't know. I'm still in grad school and I'm still, still got it. Um, but, um, one time that it really, um, came to light and it was just like really, I was really struggled with it was in eighth grade, eighth grade algebra class, um, Miss Boswell's class. And I, it was so horrible that I had, I had to have a stress ball and a breathing bag. And my teacher, Miss Boswell, made me take all of her tests in her closet, um, because I was distracting to the other students because I'd just go like this the entire test. Um, and so she just put me in the closet um, and I'd have to knock whenever I was done. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was so horrible and it became a joke within everyone else um, that anytime an ambulance would drive by the school, someone would be like, that's Cole's ride on final exam day. And I'm like, <laughs> so... Um, that was eighth grade Cole, little Cole. He used to have a spike that went like this, and I tried really hard. Um, but yeah, he, that, that was me in eighth grade, but I still struggle with it today. And one of the things that just like really gets me, I don't know if this gets you, is whenever you study like super hard and you make like a B and you have a friend who like studied 30 minutes before and they make an A 
And you're like, okay. You like quit asking your friends what they made because you just don't want to know. Um, but yeah, I like, if you're one of those people that can just cram it in and you can make an A, bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I love you as a brother or sister in Christ, but it makes me very angry. I'm just going to let you know. Um, but honestly, like you start asking yourself and you start like saying to yourself, I deserve that A. They don't deserve that A. I deserve that A. And you, that even points to a bigger question in our world. Like when bad people start succeeding or when good people are so, like when you're so struggling, um, it really makes you question, like why do bad things happen to good people? Why do such great things happen to such ungodly people? And you start thinking to yourself, is it worth it to follow God? Because are we doing all of this in vain? You know, are you, you're following God. You're praying to him every day. You're trying your hardest. But the people over there who they party every weekend and they're just living like they don't even know that there is a God. Their grandparents don't die. Their scholarships don't get taken away they're not struggling with depression. And so it really makes you question these sort of things. And thankfully, we are not the only people who have these questions. There are biblical figures that have these same questions, and they struggle with the same things we struggle with today. And that's why I love the book of Psalms, because it presents all of these different array of affections and emotions. We have sadness, we have strife, we have sorrow, we have happiness, we have depression, we have Jubilee. It's all laid out in the Psalms. And so I think a common misconception with a lot of people is that I'm like, you know, the Lord just can't take my emotions. I'm just way too much. That is false. <laughs> the Lord can take it. He's a big guy. You know, he can, he can take it. Um, so a guy that really brought these questions to God in a way was Asaph, the psalmist Asaph. He starts in verse 1 on Psalm 73, if you'll follow along with me. Verse 1, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. So just stopping there, I think we're going to be talking about a lot of heavy things today. We're going to be talking about a lot of weighty, um, heavy topics. Um, and just to kind of keep us on the same level playing field, and so we can all agree what, it, like, what, what we need to know, and we can all just like kind of stay on the same page, we're going to be talking about the we knows. So I'm going to be making a lot of we know statements today. So we know these to be true. Scripture says that these are true. We can all agree that these are true. We know these to be 100% factual. So that just keeps us all on the same level playing field. So number one, what we know, we know that God is good, first and foremost. And Asaph knows this. He seems to be coming to a point in the very beginning of this psalm where he says, God, I know you're good, and I know you do good, right? It's kind of like he's almost like trying to convince himself, like, I know you're good. And before I even go forward with what Asaph was trying to say, what does it mean to be good, you know? What is the standard of goodness? God. God is the standard of goodness. He is good. 
nothing can be good without God. If you don't add God to the equation, it can't be good. It's just not possible. God is the standard of goodness because he is goodness. John Frame writes, to praise God's goodness is not to praise something other than God himself. Simply enough, we know that to be true. We know that God is good and we know that he is good. And Asaph knows this too. The psalmist writing this knows that. Okay, so and we have so many different areas in scripture that talk about his goodness as well. First Chronicles chapter 16. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Mark 10. And Jesus himself said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Asaph says what is true. He's saying that God is good. Scripture is saying God is good. But (laughs) he's like, but they don't even have pangs until death for crying out loud. They're not even hurting until they die. They're so healthy and wealthy. These wicked people are just having the time of their life and I'm struggling They rebuke you. They even rebuke God. He's saying in verse 11, if you skip down to verse 11, how can God know, they say, is there knowledge in the most high? They're like rebuking God and they're still doing great. And he's just wrestling with all these questions and he's struggling and he wants to understand why this is the, his reality right now. The way they live, he even talks about the way they live in verse 11. Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. They have more money. They have more scholarship opportunities. They have more committee chair meeting positions. I was never in a frat, so just, yeah. Um, Whatever you want, they have them um, in sororities. But, I mean, come on. Like, they, they have the coolest clothes. They have the coolest car. They have all the people crushing on them. They, they're, they're so healthy and wealthy. And then he talks about his own life. Asaph talks about his own life. He takes reflection. Verse 13, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. Okay. Um, I don't know if I, I mean, I think you should talk to God truthfully, but like, that's kind of harsh, Asaph. Um, He's basically saying like, God, I feel like all that I'm doing is in vain. I feel like all that I'm doing is for nothing. Because what I'm doing, faithfully following you or trying to faithfully follow you, I'm just not seeing the benefits of it. It's just not working out for me. I just don't really understand what's going on. Why? Why is this true? Why is this what's going on? Why is this his reality? Verse 16, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. It's all too much. It's going to be too much. It's going to feel too much without God. Without God, it's all too much. Until he went to the sanctuary of the Lord until he went to the sanctuary of God, then he discerned their end. And he got that heavenly mindset that God bestowed him with. Now, what does going to the sanctuary of the Lord look like? This right here. Worshiping with your fellow brothers and sisters. Gleaning from them 
inspiration, encouragement, and all directing that same, that praise to the same place. Reading your Bible, reading the word of God that he's given you, praying to him, communing with him. He, Asaph truly put himself into a posture of prayer. He put himself into a posture that put himself close to God because he wanted to be near God. He wanted to be near him. And then God gave him this heavenly mindset. He let him know that this is not his world. This world is fleeting. This world is going to go away. But we have a heavenly home prepared for us. God has prepared a heavenly home for us. He has prepared a place for us to commune with him eternally. He's prepared a place for us to not experience strife or sorrow or depression or anxiety. He's, he's prepared us a place of jubilee, eternal jubilee. When we commune with God, we are able to learn more about who he is, what his character is. And Asaph did this. I mean, it says in Micah chapter six, he has told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly with the Lord your God and he will tell you what is good and pleasing. He will guide you. Verse 18, if you'll go down to verse 18. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. So he really has, like, he now is like, I'm tracking, God. I'm tracking. I understand what's going on. He has these heavenly lenses on. God has given him this, like, just new pair of awesome sunglasses, and he is now able to see what his new reality is following Yahweh. Now, don't get this confused with rose-colored glasses where everything is peaches and cream and rainbows and unicorns and everything's going to work out and you're never going to make an, a C again or an F or, yep. Um, um, and, you're, and you're never going to have to write another paper again and you don't get in car accidents anymore and your mom doesn't get cancer and you have all the scholarships you ever want and it's amazing and you get your dream job and you're going to make six figures plus and it's going to be awesome. That, that's not what it means, Okay. He's not giving you those rose-colored glasses that makes it everything is going to be fantastic and I'm never going to be anxious ever again. No, he's giving him these heavenly lenses that he knows, again, that this world is fleeting, but that is not our home. He has prepared a place for us to commune with him forever. God gives us an eternal hope. He truly does. He truly, truly does. This we can count on no matter what, no matter what life throws our way, no matter what struggles you're going through, no matter what anxiety you're dealing with, the struggles that is the last thing you think about before you go to bed and the first thing you think about whenever you wake up, no matter what is going on in your life, God gives us an eternal hope. And though we are weak, because we definitely are, he, he's strong. He really is. I've been singing the song, um, Jesus Loves Me, a lot really recently in my head. Um, I mean, you know how you always got a song in your heart? Recently, Jesus Loves Me. I don't know what it is. Um, and I, I'm going to transport you back to the nursery of your home church. If you weren't raised in the church, just follow along. I'll take you there, okay? All right. 
it's, okay, you don't have to close your eyes, but I might. Okay, you're in your Sunday school children's church classroom, okay? You got all the little chairs that if you sat in today, you'd probably break. Okay, you, and they're in a circle. You got the brightly colored carpet on the walls. You know, we just did coloring sheets. You got Noah's Ark. You got two flamingos. You got two hippos. You got two giraffes. It, the beautiful rainbow. Daniel in the lion's den over there looking strong. Okay, the teacher goes to the CD player. Yes, I said CD. Okay, no Bluetooth. Okay, um, she goes to the CD player. She presses play, and all of a sudden, the words start to come alive, okay? And those words still rank true today. I know a lot of you probably haven't heard these words or haven't thought about them in a very deep and scriptural way, but they hold so much truth. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. What we know, what we know, we are limited. We're weak. We can't do it. We can't do it all. We're so limited. We have a limit to what we can do, what we can comprehend. Asaph knows that he's a sinful human, okay? Now that he, like, he, he knew it before and he definitely knows it now. He knows that he's a sinful human in need of a holy God. He craves it. Verse 1. Verse 21, sorry. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. He was acting like a wild animal, unhuman, not knowing the ways of God. We hurt, we lie, we cheat, we steal. But with God, all things are possible. It may seem like nothing is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I mean, even Job says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. He knows this to be true. We all should know this to be true, that we are limited, but God is not. Not just that like we're able to do like 75, 75% of stuff and then God's able to do like 99 so that's like better. No, God is able to do whatever he sees fit to do. He's able to do anything he wants to do. He is not limited. He is unlimited. He is an all-powerful God caring for weak people in need of him. Okay, so I've talked a few times about what we know, okay? And that's very helpful. But it also can be helpful to talk about what we don't know, okay? We don't know God's purposes, okay? We just don't. We don't know other struggles. We don't know what other people are struggling with all of the time. And we also don't even know our own hearts, even though we think we might. We don't. Asaph continues in verse 23. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, 
Those who are far away, far from you shall perish, but you put an end to everyone that is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. It is good to be near God. Simply put, it is good to be near God. He is our true refuge. He is our true safe place. He's a place we can go to all the time. Not just some of the time, all of the time. He is our true refuge. He's the one who put breath into your lungs this morning. He's the one who tells your brain how to tell your feet how to walk. He's the one who gave you the personality you have. He's the one who put the smile on your face. He's also the one who knit you in your mother's womb. He knows you. He wants to be with you. He delights in you. That's something I, I talked about with my spiritual formation class and um, Beast in this semester. Our, um, our professor, he's just, he's, a, he's awesome. He's this African-American Episcopalian pastor, okay? So he's like got some fire underneath every word he says. Like, it's like powerful. And I listen. And I'm like this little Baptist boy just in the back, just like going like this. Um, but he says almost every class, God delights in you. And I'm like, really? And I've heard that before. But like, I don't think a lot of people talk about it. Like, not just God loves you or God has like Jesus has died for you or you are sinful, but like God delights in you. Like he, he likes us, <laughs> you know, like he doesn't just love us. Like he likes us, you know, you know how some people say like, I love them, but I just don't really like them that much. Like I love them, but it's just like, I don't really want to hang out, you know? No, <laughs> he likes us. He delights in us. He loves us. And when, we're, when it's good to be near God, we are brought near to God through Christ. That's the way we can be near God. This is our victory cry. This is our jubilee. Chapter, um, chapter John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14 says, Jesus said to him, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I mean, come on. I mean, like, it makes me want to, like, just run through a wall. I mean, we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's not just made it like, like easy for us. Like I've taken you half the way. Now you got to go the other half the way. Like he's like put us in communion with God, like wholeheartedly, 100%. We can be near God through the blood of Christ because he saved us and he knows us. All of the temporary joy that this world can give you, it pales in comparison to our God. It pales in comparison to Jesus and the holy communion that we have with him. The book of Psalms, 
Chapter 4 reads, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. You have put more joy in my heart than when person X seems to just be doing great. And he rebukes God. You have put more joy in my heart than whenever I feel like all of the things I do at my local church and in my personal faith walk feel like it's being done in vain. You have put more joy in my life than any scholarship opportunity I can get, than any family issue that may arise. You have put more joy in my heart than any GPA boost I can get or awesome car. You have put more joy in my heart than any of those things. And this finally is what we know to be true. Jesus has set us free. We know it. I mean, I just read scripture that said that to be true. Jesus has set us free from the bondage of sin. Jesus has set us free from this world. Jesus has made a way for us to commune with God, with Yahweh, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who made you, the one who made the person next to you, the one who put the trees in the ground, the birds in the air, and the fish in the sea. He made you. Jesus has made a way to be near the almighty God. So in a minute, I've already talked to Emmy. We're very excited. I don't know where Emmy is, but we're very excited about this song. Okay, Soon by Hillsong. I don't know if you've heard it. Makes me cry, all right? I've been listening to it for a month now. It is awesome. Uh, I'm gonna read just a little bit from it. And I, what, what I wanna just really like get out of this is that at the end of the day, at the end of a hard day, at the end of every day, at the end of a good day, we know this is not our home. When it seems like we're on top of the world and we're doing great, awesome. But this is not our eternal home. When we literally don't have the strength to get up out of bed, and when we're so bogged down with what the world is telling us we are, this is not our eternal home, okay? And God has made a way for us to commune with him through Jesus and it all is going to happen soon and very soon. So the lyrics read, Though I have not seen him, my heart knows him well. Jesus Christ, the Lamb, the Lord of heaven, I will be with the one I love. With unveiled face, I'll see him. There my soul will be satisfied soon and very soon. So I'm going to leave you with a story of an old elderly man named Polycarp. Yes, I have to bring some of my history and doctrine class into this. My, my professor was really excited and I, I kind of just wanted to like ask her like a little tidbit about what was going on and it turned out into like a office hour, like hour and a half, we're talking about this. And I'm like, this is probably going to take up like maybe a minute of the sermon, but I have a lot of content now, which is great, you know, and that's the awesome part of going um, in person to classes. But I'm going to leave you with a story of an old el elderly man 
named Polycarp, and he lived in 155 AD. And he was being, he was faced with death, faced with being martyred for being a Christian. Okay? He was tied up and he was bound. And people had torches of fire ready to set his body ablaze. And as people were nearing him with the fire in their hands, ready to take his life away, this is what Polycarp said. He cries, Oh Lord, I bless you because you thought me worthy of this day in this hour. I praise you. I bless you. And I glorify you above all things. We as a body of believers, we can hold the words that Polycarp said hundreds of years ago today because he was found worthy. His body was burned to ashes. But he's now singing an eternal victory song with the one who made him. We all, going back to the question that I introduced at the very beginning, we all as a body of believers can say with confidence, of course it's worth it to follow God. Because he, through Jesus Christ, he's given us an eternal worth that's above anything we could ever imagine. Praise God that we are here today hearing this truth and that we can go back home and we can hold this in our heart and that can be the first thing we think about before we go to bed and that can be the first thing we think about when we wake up in the morning. Yes, we're probably all going to struggle with something tomorrow and definitely next week and definitely next year and it's probably going to be a different thing each time. No, I'm not saying just because you're following this God, your grandmother's not going to get sick. No, I'm not saying because you're following this God, you're going to have the most amazing sports car. No, I'm not saying because you follow God, you're never going to be anxious ever again. But what I am saying is that you pursuing the Lord is not in vain. And that God has made a way for you to commune with him eternally in a place that never ends and singing a song that never goes dim. Of course, it's worth it to follow God. Praise God. Dear Lord, I pray to you this day that you bless these students and that you give them a mindset that is above this world that we remember that this world is fleeting, that we remember that this world is temporary. God, I pray that you will give these students some joy in their heart because we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength, God. God, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the love he has shown us. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb that has paved the way for each and every one of us. God, we love you and we pray all of this in your holy and precious name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Oxano podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.